0: Coming up on Studos America, Dana Lash joins us to talk about her new children's book, which is sure to make a bunch of liberal heads explode. Kyle Rittenhouse has a few words to share with LeBron James after his idiotic tweets during the trial. And the merch war continues to heat up here at the Blaze, or is it just Santifa Claus and his Molotov cocktails making us feel that way? Well, you can get your shirts and accessories at studosmerch.com and find out. You'll get 20% off right now with the promo code STU20 at checkout. Make sure to do that. And a new movement is sweeping the nation as progressives decide they just don't want to work anymore. And with all the government money being shelled out to them, who could blame them? Well, I can. Of course. So, let's do the anti-work movement. Stew does America. You know, I never really liked work. I've always liked vacation more than work. Do you feel the same way? I'm coming up on a vacation here for Christmas in a in a couple weeks, and I'm going to like that period more because I get to do whatever I want whenever I want. I mean, that's the American dream, right? I mean, sure, there's that whole thing about having a good society and taking care of your kids and blah, 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 blah. I just like doing whatever I want, okay? And I think that is the real American way. Screw the white picket fence. Let's just go do whatever we want, whenever we want, and sleep in. Who doesn't like to sleep in? This is the new philosophy of America. And while I have some sympathy for it, as potentially one of the laziest people you'll ever meet, I would love to just kind of sit around and not do anything all day. But I have, uh, I've associated in my life and my upbringing some costs to that activity. And I feel like, you know, maybe I should go to work and maybe I should try to provide a better life for my family and my kids. And maybe I should try to save some money so when this job obviously flames out at some point, probably really soon, maybe after Power Hour next Friday. there is a a way for me to continue to, I don't know, eat. That's the way that I've kind of been brought up. Probably the way you were brought up too. I mean, isn't that what America is? You go, you work hard, you contribute something to society. Yeah, you can do the things that you want uh, with your extra time uh, and you save up for retirement where you can maybe enjoy some of the things you weren't able to enjoy earlier in life. That's kind of the way we always thought about it, right? Well, there's a new thing out there that's kind of changing that idea. And... It's not entirely unhealthy. There are aspects of it that are okay, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But you see this sort of popping up um, all over the map now, and the pro- progressives are really embracing this. And let me give you one high-profile uh, person who's talked about this lately, and he he got a tongue lashing over this one. Okay, This is uh, Prince Harry. Prince Harry was talking about Job resignations, you know, and how they're not all bad. He said, it's a sign that with self-awareness comes the need for change. Many people around the world have been stuck in jobs that didn't bring them joy. And now they're putting their mental health and happiness first. This is something to be celebrated, he told Fast Company Magazine. Now, he's getting beat up because, you know, he's a prince. Uh, His main job for his entire life has been being born... You know, it's kind of tough to take job advice from a prince. okay? and I will say that, you know, arguing that you should stay home and hang out more often is easy to do when you're married to Rachel from Suits. I mean, you know, I don't know. She seems like she would be delightful to stay home with. But I think that there's a a situation here where. We can look at the 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 idea that Prince Harry is telling everybody, yeah, quit your job. What? Just take the millions of dollars from your family or something. We can understand that. We can mock that. And I think rightly so. But it is something that is is really out there. You know, if everyone's quitting their jobs because they don't bring them joy. Yeah, there'll be some musicians employed maybe. And, you know, there's going to be some some people, you know, artists and I don't know people who work at Taco Bell that love their work, okay? Yes, there's those people. But, you know, who's going to be doing all the dirty jobs in our society outside of Mike Rowe, who is a multimillionaire and just continues to shovel excrement all the time? I don't, I, don't, I mean, he's just, you know, he's, he's America's man. So, I mean, he gets to do whatever he wants. But outside of Mike Rowe, who's doing the dirty jobs if we're all leaving our jobs if they don't provide us joy? You know what? Not every job provides you joy. I've worked many jobs that have not provided me joy. I worked at McDonald's. I mean, the food, it, you know, sure, provided me some joy. But I didn't love the work there. I worked at Chili's at one point. Uh, did that bring me joy? Not really. No. Brought me more food. It's- Theme here growing, but I mean, I worked. I worked uh, cleaning up after fires one summer. I worked scheduling furniture deliveries. None of these things, I would say, gave me joy. They were things that that you know I I found joy in the people that I worked with. I I worked with a lot of really good people, and I liked them. You know, I I I found joy in that. I found joy in some of the very small amounts of money that I was able to make. Uh, And it, you know, and I I certainly learned joy. uh, Took some joy out of. Learning a work ethic. You go to work to, not, at that, at the, when you're younger, you're not going to work necessarily for a career. You're going to work so you understand how these things work. You show up on time. You do your best every day. Uh, you, you, you try to, you know, you work hard. You at least fake working hard. You learn all of the important things uh, at an actual job. And it's important to go and do those things when you're young so you're not a schlub later on. So that I'm not supporting you later on, because you know what? I show up here every day as an essential employee in this country. I was forced to come to this place every single day. We didn't stop coming here because of uh, the, the whole pandemic thing. We said, screw you, COVID. We're coming to work anyway. That's right. The show you're watching was deemed essential by this government. And that's the sort of idiotic decision the government makes all the time. This is the least essential thing in the world, but I still showed up every day because I thought it was important to try to look at the world and, and give you um, my perspective and try to understand what the hell was going on in a, in a difficult time. And, you know, I also wanted to make money to bring home to make sure my kids could eat and have some savings and pay for insurance and all the things that you do. And that's not a romantic thing, right? We look at that and we say... It would be great if we could just all do the things that we want to do. We can hang out on the Riviera, all have the beautiful house, hang out at the beach all day. But, I mean, that's a meaningless life at some point. It's nice to do sometimes, but it, it leaves you without meaning, without contribution to society, to, without contribution to your family, without contribution to yourself. You need to be able to work and grow. And that's the way that and we've always done it in this country. Um, and this sort of stuff, I mean, you know, is good Hard work, a lost concept now. Seems to be more and more lost every single day. Uh, and this stuff not only affects the culture, but it affects the economy. And it's a drain on all of our resources and all of our systems. Um, and this attitude is really spreading to people. And it's potentially, it's one of those things that has really accelerated because of the pandemic. If you go back to the beginning of the pandemic, you know, everyone's kind of in relatively normal status. We get to March 2020, everyone goes home. And there's some message that's sent here by the government when we shut down, which is, hey, you know, we can shut down half to two-thirds of the economy and we're all going to be okay. You know, we're yeah, some businesses will close and some people will struggle, but the country will still go on. We'll just keep printing money and giving it to everyone. And we'll get through these tough times because the government can hand out money to everybody. And the government takes multiple steps throughout this period to send that message to people. Yes, it's a tough time. Yes, COVID is real. Yes, people are dying. Yes, it's a real struggle all around the world, not just here. But we're funneling money to people at rates most of the world did not see. And we were giving money to people, not just because we told them to close their businesses down, but when we were at areas where there wasn't huge outbreaks and people could have worked and we still sent them money. And then even after a whole year of it, we passed another covid bill when Biden got into office with another one point nine trillion dollars and tons more money going out to people. What people kind of found was, number one, wait a minute, I could just stay home and and make it like I'm not forced to go out and work. I, just make, I can just stay home and be on these programs and get these checks, and I can, I can make it. I can do it. A lot of people internalize that message, and they started to reexamine their lives. And this is one of the things that isn't necessarily bad about this idea of the anti-work movement. There is a, um, a bit of a... Uh, um, you know, it's... it's uh, go back to um, the documentary song, um, Ants Marching by Dave Matthews. And there's this idea that we kind of just go through our patterns every day. We're a little ants marching to work. We're coming home. We're doing all of our things. We have the same concerns. We repeat them over and over again. It's day to day to day to day. And a lot of times we think of life as sort of like the next event. I know I do it all the time. I got to get the show done. I got to go to the next show. I got to get home and hang out with the kids. I got to help them with their homework. Oh my gosh, it's bedtime. Let's start it all over again. And there is something unhealthy about that if you don't stop and examine your life every once in a while. If you just sit here and do the things every day that you need to do without stepping back and looking at your, your life from 50,000 feet and saying, is this, is this, am I going to be happy with this at the end? If this is the way this plays out, maybe it is time for me to look at a different career or, or go in a different direction, or maybe just, you know, make sure my free time is better, well spent with my family or my kids or whatever it is. So there's some level of this that's actually healthy. And what people wound up saying is, wait a minute, I'm going to this job that I don't like. I'm working all these hours. I'm not really getting ahead. Um, Maybe I should think about doing something else. And that part of it's healthy. But the problem, of of course, starts when the government gets involved, which is kind of a theme. I don't know if anyone's uh, noticed this. Um, Progressives push this all the time, and they push these programs all the time to give you a sort of, safety net that's pretty high off the floor and They want to do that and not only they want to raise it off the floor Which is not necessarily a negative motivation, but they want to move it closer to what the entry-level job is Why would you take an entry-level job and work your ass off for 40 hours a week? If all this is going to do is get you a little tiny little bit of extra money that you're gonna wind up spending anyway why not work, I don't know, zero hours, collect all this money at home and live pretty close to the same life? Now it's not the same life as you would make if you're making 100 grand a year. But it's a you know, it's, it's a serviceable life. You'll survive and you can play Xbox all day or you can go to work at some job you don't like with people you might not like doing something that doesn't really have a future. And um, at the end of the day, you don't have that much more money there's a choice there and people made that choice and have been making that choice and they're calling it the anti-work movement. Um, You know, this is of course, if you go back to, I remember listening to Rush Limbaugh in the mid nineties, it was one of the points he hit on all the time, which was uh, Democrats policies are not just bad for the economy, but they are designed specifically to make people dependent they want people to be dependent on the government. It gives them a use for, for a reason to have power, a reason to be needed, a reason to be wanted. They want to be able to make people dependent on them. Therefore, they are the ones who not only can exert control when needed, but also are needed uh, when someone goes to the voting polls. So this is the, this is how this works, and it's it's the same thing we've been talking about for a long time. Never let a crisis go to waste. The pandemic is a perfect crisis. The, the progressives have been looking for a very long time to find that uh, never ending, everlasting uh, war stance issue. They've tried to do it with climate change for many years. We, we have to do X, Y and Z because there's a crisis going on. Well, the pandemic is the perfect never ending crisis. Um, that's not to say it wasn't real or it's not real. And people are still dying from it. But you have this situation where now people are trying to take advantage of that crisis. And, you know. There's this weird thing that the left is doing right now where they really think you can just do this. You can just make everything free. You can just have everybody just go and become an artist and not you know, contribute anything to society other than a few paintings here and there. And you might suck at painting. I don't even know. That's not the way society runs. And this is something that has run through progressive thought for a very long time long time. Let me bring you back to 2010. This is Nancy Pelosi. Think of an economy where people could be an artist or a photographer, a writer, without worrying about keeping their day job in order to have health insurance, or that people could start business and be entrepreneurial and take risks, but not be job-locked because a child has asthma or diabetes or someone in the family is bipolar. You name it, any condition is job-locking. This was an argument the left was making for Obamacare, and they made it long before that as well where the idea was, look, what if we got rid of all, if we took care of all your basic needs, if we gave you a cradle to grave welfare state where we took care of everything, then you could just do what you want and everyone will be happy, right? Well, here's what this kind of looks like, and it's starting to pick up a lot of steam. The anti-work movement, it's, you know, one of the places you can find it is on Reddit, and they have a subreddit called Anti-Work. And let me give you some of the thoughts, the way that that, that this movement is thinking right now. Uh, Working your whole life just to enjoy a few years when you're close to death is one of the biggest scams. I know this is the norm in America, but getting home at 6 p.m. and having two to three hours to yourself is just the craziest S ever. Every time I read some weekend column about a boomer struggling to retire on 100,000 a year and a multi-million dollar home, I'm reminded that my retirement plan is to die in the climate wars. There's your uh, everlasting state of war in effect. Would you flip burgers for a salary of three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year? You would. Well, damn, that sounds like people are OK with working. It's the money. That's the problem. Yeah, but you don't these companies don't earn three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year off your burger flipping. That's the problem. You could say all you want that workers and this is an argument commonly made on the left right now. Well, people would work if you just paid them what they what they're worth. Well, it's just not true. Paying them what they're worth right now is not getting enough people into the businesses. Um, You could say that they should raise uh, those costs. But what is also going to happen if they raise the hourly rate, they're also going to be raising costs on all the food and no one's going to come in. Then your business collapses. There has to be a happy medium. And the government is providing one side of this equation, an unfair advantage as these two markets sort of collide. Uh, that y- usually is a self-balancing sort of natural sort of thing. And it's going away because the government is saying, well, you know what? You could stay home if you want. Um, unless they pay you a lot more money then you can go to work and that's where people are making that decision right now I'm not jealous of rich people because of the things they have I'm jealous of rich people because they get to pursue their passions in life without having to work a grueling 40 hour a week job literally just to get by that's true no no rich people ever work 40 hours a week a grueling 40 hours a week look Rich people, generally speaking, work a hell of a lot of hours. And they did that especially younger when they were in their younger lives. They worked their asses off constantly. When I was young, I uh, very young, you know, high school age, I was a—I was pretty half-assed with my job. I mean, I did not really try very hard. I did everything I could. I worked really hard to figure out ways to get out of work. I did do that. So you give me some credit here. But I did not have a work ethic I was proud of. Over time, I learned that. And making a decision to get into a business I actually cared about was an important part of that equation. Would I be a lazy accountant right now? Maybe? I don't think so, but you know I mean, I, I, I like numbers too much to be a lazy accountant. But some other job, if I took some other crappy job that I didn't really like and didn't care about, I might be really lazy. But I mean I really like coming in here and doing the show and, and, and I've been doing it for a long time and, and enjoy doing it. So yes, it's easier. Probably for me to to try to work hard then some other people and you know I I have friends who are in jobs. They don't really like that much and they get through the day But you know what they do they show up and they still work hard and they still do a good job that is Getting out of fashion at this point now. I'm not going to tell you that you have to work I think you don't have to work. You can sit home and 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 be completely lazy and have a life that sucks You can do it if you want. This is America. You can do it. I just don't want to pay for your lazy ass. I don't want to pay for you to sit home and get good at Xbox. I have no interest in that. And we have this dumb idea that people who uh, like myself a little bit, you probably a lot more who contribute to society have to take care of everybody who doesn't that's not the way this is supposed to work. That's the way socialism works. That's the way progressivism works. That's not the way the United States of America is supposed to work. And we're getting closer and closer to going down that road all the time. And the issue is that you know, the government right now is giving away my money and your money to people who are, that have these attitudes, who just want to stay home, And not work because they would rather be an artist and they don't think that having a few hours uh, during a weekday is enough time for themselves. And they don't want to have a, a, a retirement at the end of their lives where they start enjoying life. Now, look, you shouldn't think that way. You shouldn't go through life and only plan for your retirement so that you push all of your enjoyment out to the future. But let's be honest about it. People aren't doing that. We can barely get people to save any money. Look at Medicare and Medicaid. The people are taking out much, much more money from those programs than they're putting in. Why? Because they're not paying. They're, they're not saving uh, a, a lot of money. They're not retiring with a lot of, of, of their money. And that's not always someone's fault, of course. You know, it depends on the path of someone's life. You might have medical issues. You might take a job that's really, really important to society, like a teacher that doesn't pay you tons and tons of money. All of that is totally fine. But we do have to recognize that there are some people taking advantage of those hardworking teachers, of those hardworking policemen, of those hardworking firefighters, of those hardworking people who work at Taco Bell or who work at a at a hedge fund. Uh, you know, beating up other people for the choices they make for their jobs is is just silly. And there's this pattern of saying people who have earned and achieved a lot of money. Uh, and earned a lot of money are the ones not working. I have news for you. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. The people who are sitting at home and playing Xbox and collecting from the government, that's another, that's another side of this. And it's a side that has to be called out from time to time. It is enough for us right now to look at the, our, our system and call out one major flaw, which is if we continue to do what we're doing, Advancing people money on their tax returns. So they're getting hundreds of dollars of checks and getting dependent on the government. If we continue to do things like that so that people are more incentivized to stay home than to go to work, we're going to have long lasting problems here. If we don't get this under control and start praising the work ethic again, doing a little micro. our society and saying, Hey, you know, those dirty jobs, those are meaningful jobs. Those jobs matter. Those jobs make America go. If we don't continue to call that stuff out in a positive way, the other side is going to continue to push just like they've pushed with every cultural issue you can remember. Eventually they will get to a point where they're taxing everybody and spending everybody into oblivion and we have no economy left. And before we get there, we should stop this right in its tracks. Making content online, it's an essential part of what I do here to keep this uh, little show going, but it hasn't always been a seamless creative process. Ever since I found Canva Pro, I can design anything like a pro on any device. Canva Pro is a design platform that empowers you to create and share stunning content in just a few clicks. They make it super easy. Easy designing with Canva Pro is amazingly fast and fun. You can choose from thousands of templates that are easy to customize, or you can just start from scratch. And Canva Pro has all these you know premium fonts and photos and videos. So like if you're just taking pictures of yourself at home, Canva Pro is still going to work really really well for you, and you're going to have way better pictures than all your dopey friends. Um, you can do that if you want. If you own a business, if you want to get people to come into your business. Designing together uh, with Canva has never been easier. Sharing, editing, and commenting in real time. Canva Pro helps you stay organized on the same page and on the top of team projects as well. Plus, you can, uh, and four teammates can unlock everything Canva Pro has to offer for just 13 bucks a month. It's $12.99 a month. Design like a pro right now with Canva Pro. You get a free 45-day extended trial. When you use my little promo code, just go to canva.me slash to get your free 45-day extended trial. C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash America. I'm not spelling America for you. you got to figure it out yourself. Canva dot me slash America. Check it out now. I'm so happy to welcome the one and only Dana Lash back to the program. She's the host of the award-winning radio program, the Dana Show and author of the new children's book, Pause Off My Canon, which is available through Brave Books. Dana, how are you?
1: I'm good, Stu, thanks for having me, good to see you.
0: Yeah, good to see you too. Uh, I wanna get into why you wrote this book and why it's important, but first, give me a kind of like a preview of the story.
1: So the story is about a really awesome character and it's his name's Bongo and he's, they live in this, this fantasy world where freedom is valued and they eat cupcakes for breakfast, which is the kind of world that I would like to live in. <laughs> and I think everybody would. And, you know, they're dealing with some bullies. They're dealing with hyenas. I mean, you know, in nature shows, hyenas are always like the jerks of the animal kingdom. <laughs> they're just jerks. They're there when they shouldn't be. They're terrorizing somebody's cubs. They're just, you know, they're, and they're, they're trying to take off somebody else's kill, their breakfast. And so, um, this is, it's a situation of this group of friends in this community that are dealing with this threat. But it's, it's written in a way where it's not condescending to kids, but they can identify, you know, the, the, the elements of this—that you, you, you—it's okay to defend yourself, and it's okay to defend your friends, and it's not a bad thing. And that's what I wanted to convey with this book, because it seems like. That's kind of not really appreciated or encouraged in society anymore.
0: Yeah. Uh, but first of all, I'll say my, my we ordered the books, uh, the whole series of them, and the, my kids love them. Like it comes with all these activity uh, uh, maps and all these cool challenges to go along with the books, and they're all you know teaching real lessons from life in a really fun way that actually entertains kids. So I highly recommend them. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, they're really they're really great. Um, and you know, looking at the world, I thought to myself, this is more important than ever. I mean, this is, you know, making sure that uh, kids understand these sort of basic principles that I thought were sort of fundamental in the fabric of our country. But I mean, I I don't think they are anymore, Dana.
1: No, I, I don't think that they are either. And it's kind of sad because it's now it's it feels like kids are being taught that if they Want to stick up for themselves or someone else? Then it's a bad. They they have to second guess whether or not they should do it. And it I just remember when I was a kid, and you remember this too, Stu. Like what was it the the after school sh- specials, the you know shooting yeah. star, the more you know, mm. the thing that we were told is you know stick up for your friends and to stand up to bullies and now it seems like you're supposed to capitulate to bullies and uh, if something if you see something that's off you don't say anything and you just kind of go along with the flow and you you don't disrupt and um, I, I and you let this stuff come to pass and I just I just I reject that outright and I don't want I didn't want to I didn't raise my kids to be quiet in the face of bullying and I didn't raise my kids to allow themselves or anybody else that they know to be uh, trampled upon or threatened or etc and so I just I knew that there was a way to talk about this and just a common sense Common sense storytelling with kids, and I have to say the art because art's important with kids' books. And and Andre Coelen does a great job with the art in this book. I am all I've always been, I've long been a, a huge a huge Fritz freeling fan, and he used to do stuff with the Warner Brothers, like the early days of the Warner Brothers. I mm. mean, his style is is unmistakable. It was kind of it, to me, it always looked like it was very early Tim Burton, uh, and I think Andre does a really good job of bringing some of the spirit of that to the illustrations. Because when we first started talking with Brave, I was like. Like, I want to, to see the artwork because that's going to sell it. That's, I mean, the story is important, but people are going to remember what these characters look like almost more than the kids, almost more than what they say. And so the artwork was fantastic. And I loved how this story, how we could fit this into what some of the other authors were doing with issues that were important to them. And so it's just a, it's a great series. It's a great book. I'm so happy that your kids love it. And, and there's all, yeah, you're right. There's all kinds of activities and all kinds. Of, I have a cameo in this book.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Oh, yeah. do. You
1: have to guess which... You have to guess where.
0: Interesting. I'm in,
1: I'm in here, mm. basically.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's your book. You get to write yourself into Yes, but
1: into I'm in here, like, in an anthropomorphic way.
0: Oh, very, very cool. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting, Dana, because, like, I, you know... Uh, we, we all know that these lessons are important for kids and they've always been important for kids to understand. And I, I will say like, you know, as much as I, we talk about these issues every day and we realize that the country is going down the wrong road in kind of a serious uh, fashion. Uh, I don't, th- it really slapped me in the face during the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, trial where, it seemed like half the country had absolutely no concept of what self-defense was and how the law works. And watching this, it's all on video, thankfully for Kyle, or he'd probably be in prison for the next 50 years, but it's all on video. You can watch all this stuff happen and still half the country looked at that and said, yeah, no, I mean, he's the bad guy in this situation. I mean, how, how did you, when you were watching that trial, did your head explode?
1: It did. I mean, I, I think it absolutely did. And one of the things that I, because I had seen the, some of the videos like from the night that it happened uh, with some of the stuff that was being posted and early on online and even from some of the earlier stuff, I'm like, this kid doesn't seem like, he doesn't come off as a kid who's there to start trouble. Because one of the, I think one of the first videos that I saw was when he was saying, you know, medic, medic and and act. I mean, that's not, if you're going to start trouble, you're not yelling. I'm friendly. I mean, he was right. literally in the street going, I'm friendly. I'm a <laughs> medic. Does anybody need help? Um, and he had some first aid training and he was just, you know, saying words that people would recognize. And I, it, to me, it was self-defense and it, it astounded me the conversation later where people would say, well, what, what was he doing there? What was the teenager doing there? And I understand as a parent, the concern, because that was one of the first things that I had questioned. You know, I understand the concern as a parent to allow someone who is a minor, especially after we saw what happened with Nick Sandman, to be out in a situation like this. But at the same time, it almost made me angry. I, I fought with myself because I'm like, well, why shouldn't he be there? I mean, his dad lives there. His grandmother lives there. He works there, his friends are there. It's people act like he packed a bag and went on a hobbit's journey, just from you know his home in Illinois, right, at Antioch, Illinois. Which and I've made that drive. It's like 20 minutes across the, not even 20 minutes across the border, going into Wisconsin. You know, he didn't have to go, you know, up the mountain and through the mines and all this stuff. Um, he just, he just drove over. It's where, you know, where his family was, and he, he had every right to be there. He had just as much right to be there as the, the rioters who were rioting from Oregon and the ones who came in from California and Gage Groskowitz who drove from, uh, I think many, I think he came in from Minneapolis. I can't remember where he, or, or uh, somewhere else. I think he came actually Northern Wisconsin. He came from somewhere else, but it took him like 50 minutes to get there. So he didn't, he didn't live there in Kenosha. Uh, all these other people that, that went there when they had no business of being there, but yet the teenager who works there and his dad and his grandma live there and he's there a lot. He didn't have any right to be there. People have the right to be wherever they want to be. Uh, in, you know, in, in the United States and whether someone's age doesn't change that fact. So it was really odd, all of the excuses to your point that I saw trotted out as a way to minimize his right of self-defense. And that was a really dangerous position because ultimately that was what they were trying to put on trial here at the state.
0: Yeah. And I thought that was a really interesting part of, of all of this. And it's why, you know, getting the message that you're, you're talking about in your book to kids at younger ages is really important because, you know, it's not, these rights don't come from Kenosha. The, the, it's not the government of Kenosha that grants you the right to, to defend your life. It's not even the constitution that does it. It comes from God. These, these are rights that are, are human rights that come from the very essence of us just being alive. It is a birthright uh, and is our right to defend our lives. And so many people now want to look at this as, as, as you know, something that the government grants you as a right. That, that's just not the case
1: yeah it's in, in some ways you know that concept of rights and the divinity of rights and and how they're administered and, and given by the creator and not by men I mean that's the difference, difference between natural and civil rights in so many respects it seems like a logical Pascal's wager to me because it's it, regardless of whether or not you believe in God you have you are endowed with these rights regardless of whether or not you believe in the creator that gave them to you these are rights that are yours by way of you being a citizen of the United States and when you if you're born here or if you immigrate here legally and you become a citizen of the United States, you get to join that very fabric and, and those rights are also endowed to you. And that, that's a concept that That status dislike because they would love to take those rights that we enjoy—free speech and right to bear arms and being able to defend ourselves—and you know all these these things they would love to take that and out of the dominion of the divine and put it in the courts of men because you know we can trust men so much. I mean, and by men I mean men and women. You can trust because we can trust infallible humans to be able to to deal with these. I mean, that's that's been. I mean, that's the cause of all of our problems. And so this, regardless of what people believe. Leave, you still get to enjoy these rights. It's you're not it's it's not conditioned upon your belief, unlike, you know, in Saudi Arabia and elsewhere. So that's the amazing thing about how our how our republic is structured. And that's that's why there's so many efforts to make these natural rights something that is civil, which they never will be.
0: Uh, You know, Dana, we've talked uh, both on the air and off the air over the years a lot about education and why it's so important. You know, we spend so much time talking about universities. And of course, that's uh, it's crucial. But we spend very little time, I think, talking about K to 12 and really making sure that American values are taught uh, religious values, if if that happens to be your choice. But foundational uh, American values are taught in schools at younger ages, not trying to. To just push it in, you know, later on when kids are 18, 19, 20, but making sure they get this stuff earlier, earlier on. What do you feel is the state of education in our country right now?
1: Oh, I think it's a mess. I think it's an absolute mess. I, the way that um, I think that education is sort of actually educating. Kids on classical subjects and on arithmetic and and literature and every and science. I think these are sort of things that are kind of on the back burner. I, I for a long time, I think that many people on the left, uh, more people than not, uh, were using these as as a great vehicle, a government sponsored vehicle to just change the mindset of the nation by starting with children in the name of education and that's continuing today with the second maoist cultural cultural revolution that we're going through that we call wokery but it's a cultural revolution for sure just like what china went through and the the school system was a it was a it was a great way to do that because people you know i i always say back in the olden days and if i had to actually put a timestamp on that i'm not quite sure when it would be but it just seems like, you know, in my parent, when my parents were younger, and maybe even their parents, education, you know, you could trust the people in your community. You could trust your teachers. You could trust the superintendent, the school principal. These were people you could go to. And now it's like everybody's suspect. We, Everyone is so politically tribal and people are using these institutions that uh, were designed to serve, whether, you know, the public education and the funding of it's a separate issue, but designed to serve and using it as this vehicle to indoctrinate kids and teach them to hate the underpinnings of the country and the very structure of the country so that they could then be relied upon as extra force to help change it later and now it's you know there's so many parents that are taking their kids out of schools they're going to private schools, they're homeschooling we really have to have a conversation in this country about the state of public education because we have kids that go for I think what 10 months out of the year and they go for 8 hours a day and yet our test scores are lower than everyone else's and while we're arguing over pronouns China's overtaking the world uh, and building up an army and everything else and we're sitting here talking about White race and uh, whether or not we can say they or "za" as pronouns. It's insane.
0: <laughs> yes, it's beyond insane. This is the reason why uh, you need to get these books. If you have someone in your life, your kid, your grandkid, your nephew, your niece, whoever it is that can, can really... Uh, learn from, uh, you know, some real American principles put in an entertaining uh, fashion. The, the, there's a series of books called Brave Books. Uh, books. This is book six of Saga One. It's called yes. Paws Off My Canon. Uh, and of course, Dana does it. So it's awesome. And you know that going in. But you should definitely pick it up. Dana, of course, has a, a show on the First Streaming Network and host of The Dana Show uh, and author of Paws Off My Canon. You can purchase that through Brave's Books. Uh, Brave Books. Make sure uh, you do so. Dana, thanks so much. Great to see you.
1: Thank you, Stu. So good to see you. Glad you love them. Thank you.
0: Okay, if you're buying a home, if you're selling a home, uh, these days you know how crazy the market is right now. uh, It's going up and up and up and up and up. And the more we print money, who knows what's going to happen next? Who knows what's going to happen with the economy? Um, But it is important if you're going to make a major transaction like buying or selling a home that you do it right that you have good people on your side, that you know uh, that you have someone you can trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a, is a company that Glenn started many years ago, our own Glenn back here, of course, at The Blaze. Um, and he did it because he had issues with real estate agents and he thought, you know, I can't, I can't screen... Why, why, why is this like me just picking a name out of a book you know, or off a bench ad? Like, why am I not screening these people for a really important transaction like this? Well... Put together a team, and now they do do this for you. They can screen through agents, see who has the best results, who's, who has the best reviews, the most trustworthy. They Talk to these people and make sure that these are people you can trust for with a transaction like this. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com right now, realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, make sure you connect with the best real estate agent in your area, buying or selling. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast uh, and review it and rate it. Five stars is the appropriate stars. Really, any review, whatever you want to put in there. It's great, whatever, totally fine. And just remember, when you put a positive review on this podcast, it not only helps our podcast, but it hurts others. And that's the most important thing. Uh, This one comes in. What won't you do, Stu Does America? Stu does whatever. Five freaking stars. Thank you so much. Uh, also, you can check out the show um, on, uh, on uh, really listen anytime. If you're watching it right now and you think I would love to have the material that this guy's doing, but I don't want to see his face. Totally fine. Go to audio. Review the show. Uh, best stupidest show. If this is a stupid show, I would like a frontal lobotomy for Christmas. Aww. Wait, I am slowly getting one from Biden's regime. That's true. Also, Stu is strangely attractive and my husband is a bit jealous. I mean, that's, you know, it's a, it's a cross I bear. I just I can't help that. That's just natural. YouTube.com uh, slash stew does America subscribe get every show there. Paul says, can you start talking about Nancy Pelosi? So she'll get fired. And Heather says, yeah, Biden too. Uh, you can comment on the show all the time and suggest names for me to get people fired because that's what happens. I do a show. I'm talking about somebody. They lose their job. That's the way this works. At least that's how it works with Cuomo's. Um, when will the lemon fall from the CNN tree? That could be an interesting next step. He's got his own issues. He's battling right now. Apparently he was, uh, doing his own bizarre stuff with journalism uh, and Jussie Smollett. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. And Dorothy writes on Facebook, uh, Stu, we discussed it in our house. Chris Cuomo's time slot shouldn't go to a gendered or non-gendered person because we don't even know if the left says that's okay anymore. It needs to go to a goat. The whole time slot should be a goat blatting in between interviews. You know the ratings would go up if they did that. You know it. Back in a second. Let me tell you a little bit about Moinkbox. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon directly to your door. If these are unfamiliar terms, uh, let me put it this way. You know, Moink delivers the best meats on the market. It's nice and easy to understand. Uh, You know, we're talking about fish that live wild in the ocean, um, free of antibiotics, hormones, sugars, all the other junk you might get in the prepackaged meat aisle. Uh, Now, I'm not a big meat guy, as you may know, but my friends and family love it. Uh, My wife loves Moinkbox. Uh, she loves the fillets and the salmon in particular. Uh, you can sign up at moinkbox.com stew today and get a year of ground beef for free and then pick what, whatever meats you want delivered uh, with your first box. It's an incredible deal. You can change what you'd get, like to get each month if you like. You can cancel any time. They make it super easy. Moink is the movement to join today. Go to moinkbox.com stew. Right now, you can get a free ground beef uh, for an entire year. Uh, that's one year of the best ground beef you'll ever taste. For a limited time, spelled m o i n k box dot com slash stew moinkbox dot com slash stew. So uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was in studio uh, here yesterday. In fact, I walked out of the show yesterday, and I was doing some stuff around here, and all of a sudden, I turn around, and there's Kyle Rittenhouse, just kind of hanging out in the hallway with his two little adorable dogs. Seemed like a very nice guy, uh, and uh, the, the the nonsense he's had to deal with has been uh, covered in real detail here on this program. Uh, and of course, uh, our own Elijah Schaefer goes back to that night. I mean, he was one of the first people who interviewed Kyle before the shooting. Um, and so he was on You Are Here. Uh, of course, uh, we love You Are Here with Elijah and Sydney. Um, and I, this is the part I love about this more than anything else. Uh, Kyle, Kyle uh, started talking about the LeBron James situation. He was asked about it. And he said, I liked LeBron. He's, uh, he's like, and then I'm like, you know what? F you, LeBron. He actually was a Lakers fan. Before LeBron uh, tweeted about him and said he was fake crying, uh, he said, I was really pissed off that he said that. And this just proves the point we've made on this program uh, over and over and over again. LeBron James is a terrible human being in every way. By the way, don't be an idiot. Don't be a LeBron. Uh, You can get that shirt at don'tbealebron.com. Jussie Smollett is kind of an idiot in his own right. Uh, He's been testifying. And we mentioned this earlier, Don Lemon apparently he was in contact with this guy. Now, I don't know what their relationship was, but apparently they were friendly on some level. Um, Smollett testified that he'd received a text from Don Lemon supposedly relaying information that the CPD, the CPD didn't believe Smollett's account of what happened. Now, this is right off the Cuomo scandal where... This this access to journalism seems to be something that CNN personalities kind of use for their own personal benefit. Um, Lemon eventually told his viewers that the story was personal because he had contact with Smollett. He said that he was innocent until proven guilty, but he squandered the goodwill of a whole lot of people. If his story wasn't true, he even lied to a lot of people, including me. And that's not cool. Actually, that's the one thing I think that is cool that Jesse did. I think lying to Don Lemon is the only good thing Jesse Smollett has ever done. Back in a second. Head over to youtube.com slash Stew Does America and you can get all the episodes of this show, but you can also get The Power Hour. It's coming up on Friday, December 17th, 9 p.m. Eastern, only on youtube.com slash Stew Does America. Confirmed. Myself, Chad Prather, half Asian lawyer, Bill Richmond, Jason Buttrell, Sarah Gonzalez, Lisa Page, my wife, who is going to be overseeing my idiocy. That's going to be a lot of fun. You can get the uh, merch uh, for the Power Hour at PowerHourSurvivor.com. Be a Power Hour survivor. We love doing these things. They're a lot of fun. We basically take a shot of beer for an hour, try to talk politics and make idiots of ourselves. We will uh, do that coming up Friday, December 17th. Also, if you go to um, stewdoespowerhour.com, you can RSVP for this event. If you do that, you're going to be on a list and we're going to be giving away some stuff to people on that list. So check it out, stewdoespowerhour.com. And of course, the merch for Christmas, stewdoesmerch.com. we got Andrew Cuomo is awful. Chris Cuomo is worse. Don Lemon is worse And, of course, the Nancy Pelosi sucks pens. Pick them all up. 20% off. Use the code STU20. We will see you tomorrow.